Well, good morning. We uh, are finishing the Gospel of John this morning. Uh, if you've been with us, uh, it's been a journey through the Gospel. We've worked all our whole way through. It's been almost two years of working through the Gospel of John. What do you find at the end? The end of a story, uh, or the end of uh, maybe an apprenticeship. In some sense, that's what the disciples with Jesus was this journey with him for three years. What comes at the end? You get the deeper secrets? Time to go to graduate school? No. See, he takes you and I things. He takes Peter here at the end back to first things, to basic things. And it's in light of Peter's failure. Why first things? I don't know about you, but I forget. We forget things. But see, first things for Jesus, when it comes to Jesus, are, are the basis for everything. This is, uh, in a sense, part two of last week where um, James just set the stage so well for us and walked us through this uh, walk down memory lane, in a sense. And that phrase, he unpacked that phrase that Jesus reveals himself in this way. I'm going to latch onto that and kind of carry that through this week too. Do you remember? Jesus walked them back through the memories. He had them catch a big catch of fish on the other side of the boat, like the first time that happened at the beginning of the gospel. They were back home, back at the Sea of Galilee, back where it all began, back where they were first called by Jesus. He was walking them back through the memories. And of course, last week we ended with them sitting around a charcoal fire, which had significant meaning for Peter. Because the other time he was in, a, in front of a charcoal fire was when he was denying knowing his Lord. And now again, here he is with the smell of the charcoal still in his nose. But this time uh, over that charcoal fire, it was not Peter denying knowing his master. He was uh, looking across it at the face of his master. That's where we pick up this week. John 21, verses 15 to 23. This is God's inerrant and infallible word. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had been reclining at table close to him, and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When 
When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, asking the Lord to lead us through this time in his word. Lord, we thank you for your word. I ask that you would indeed guide us through it, that you would refresh us in the gospel. Would you speak through a broken vessel, saved by grace alone? Pray in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> you know that roosters still crow in Israel to this day. You know the significance of the rooster crow. It crowed right as Peter denied Jesus for the third time. I don't think roosters understand that their God-given instinctual alarm clock was a daily reminder of a man's utter failure. You know, they weren't all rounded up. All the roosters weren't all rounded up in Israel and banned from that country after that night that Peter heard the rooster crow. What I'm saying is that Peter had to continue to listen to the rooster every morning to be reminded of his failure. I <laughs> wonder what that was like. But maybe we know. See, we're sensory creatures, aren't we? Memories and thoughts and fears and anxieties, they're stirred by senses. Uh, the smell of rooibos tea still takes me back to Cape Town, South Africa. Well, I was there for a mission trip doing university ministry. It was the first time I'd ever, I guess, smelled or drank rooibos tea. And I smell it, and I still, I'm there. The, uh, <laughs> the sound of Eli Gold's voice still takes me back to Alabama beating Miami in the 1992 National Championship. That memory just stuck for me. There are also charcoal fires and rooster crows that remind me of my failures, my sin, my weakness, times of failed love on my part. Do you have charcoal fires, rooster crows? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you do. But maybe you've tried to block that, that voice or that noise out. We'd like to have all the charcoal fires and roosters rounded up and banned from our lives so we never have to be reminded again, right? What do we need when the rooster crow is the loudest thing in your head or in your heart? Maybe, maybe your failure is, is big. It's one big terrible moment like Peter's. The rooster crows. Maybe you followed Jesus for a while and your failures are just an added up collection of small, subtle failures over the course of your life that has left you with the question of, who am I? Do, what have I done for Jesus? What, what purpose does he have for me really? And the rooster keeps crowing. What do we need when these feelings of shame and guilt wash over us with the rooster crow? When we look at ourselves and see failed love, uncertain purpose, and distracted focus. We need a Savior who doesn't give up on shame-ridden, aimless, distracted failures like me, like you, like Peter. 
We need to know that the roosters don't have the last word on our lives. Is it possible that the rooster crow could be changed? Not silenced, but changed in its significance from a shame-inducing call to a reminder of a deeper love that restores our souls. Is it possible? Is Jesus able to do that? He reveals himself in this way. (laughs) He reveals himself to us at precisely those points of failed love, uncertain purpose, and distracted focus so that we can learn his love again, hear his call again, and see his face again. You see, at all three points, Jesus is taking Peter back to first things, to primary things. And if you notice, it's interesting what Jesus does with Peter's name here in this passage. When he asks the first question, he says, Simon, son of John. We know his name was Peter, but that was the name that Jesus gave him. When was the last time that Peter had Jesus call him by his given name, Simon, son of John? Well, in the Gospel of John, it was in chapter 1 when Peter first met Jesus. And he said, so, you're Simon, son of John. You shall be called Peter. He first met Jesus at that moment. It's as if Jesus is taking him back to the beginning. (laughs) And do you remember? Do you remember when I called you? I renamed you. I came to you. I loved you first. John, the disciple, speaks of first love like this in his letter, letter that we call 1 John. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. First love, Jesus' love for us. Uh, Author Henry Nouwen speaks of second love. He's an author that I enjoy reading sometimes, but he writes uh, about second love. And he says that's often the kind of love that we find ourselves chasing in this life and causes us to forget first love. Um, Second love is is, uh, response love. It's uh, love that comes in response to achievements or performance. Um, really, a lot of times it's affirmation or sympathy or encouragement or support, and those are all good things. But they're also always potentially subject to rejection, withdrawal, betrayal when we fail. Nowen, Henry Nowen spent two decades teaching at a high level at Yale and Notre Dame and Harvard. I mean, he, like, that's making it, right? If you can teach at those places, like, you, you made it. And he was teaching for two decades there. He had great achievements. But then the Lord moved him and called him to go minister to adult mentally disabled folks at LARC in Toronto. His achievements didn't mean much to those folks because most of them couldn't read, so they'd never read his books. Most of them had not gone to school, and so they didn't really care about his tenure at Yale and Harvard. He was awakened to the fact that he had been chasing second love and along the way had forgotten first love. And he writes about it. He says he was brought back to first love in this way. He talks about his transition from teaching at that high level to ministering to these folks. This experience was, and in many ways, 
is, is still the most important experience of my new life. Because it forced me to rediscover my true identity. These broken, wounded, and completely unpretentious people forced me to let go of my relevant self. The self that can do things, show things, prove things, build things. And forced me to reclaim that unadorned self in which I am completely vulnerable, open to receive and give love, regardless of any achievement. That's how he was brought back to first love. Jesus took Peter back to first love. We would like to avoid the charcoal fire conversations, wouldn't we? I kind of want to go around that because we don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about my failure. I don't want to talk about my sin. But Jesus reveals himself in this way. Could it be that, that maybe by going through that journey, through that conversation, we could be brought to a whole new level of experiencing Jesus' love by walking back through or being walked back through our failure? We'd like for him to sweep it under the rug. You know, we want to hear Jesus say to Peter, oh, Peter, it's all, you're fine, it's okay, I'm a God of love, it's just, we can just pretend like it didn't happen. No, Jesus loves him too much to not heal him by walking him back through the pain. You know, the very best counselors will walk us back through painful memories, drawing them out, even the ones that have been maybe blocked, so that we perhaps can be freed from its power over us. Do you see that's what Jesus is doing with Peter here? He's walking him back through it. He says, we get the three questions, the three times, do you love me? One for each denial over that charcoal fire. Jesus doesn't ask him, uh, you going to do better this time? Are you going to step up your game this time, Peter? What are you going to do to make this right, Peter? None of that. It's so profoundly simple that Jesus just wants to draw out of Peter that he still loves him, that Peter still loves Jesus. Jesus shows him that. He's like, look, Peter, you still love me. I know it. And also notice that this is a beautiful picture of simple repentance. Uh, when my kids get a splinter in their foot, I have to get them to hold still. I can think of my own times as a kid having a splinter in my foot. And I can remember one time when my dad, or multiple times, I had splinters a lot in my feet. He would get a, like a sewing needle and put a flame on it to uh, sterilize it, right? And then try to pick it out. And all I can picture as a kid is like a hot needle going into my foot. And so I'm squirming all over the place. And they're like, just, just hold still. Trust me. <laughs> the same for my kids. I'm like, stop squirming and hold still and we'll get this out. Peter holds still for Jesus and lets Jesus pull it out. <laughs> Two things that Peter doesn't do. He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't go, man, you know, Jesus, I know it was a bad night for me. I was in a tight spot. I was trying not to blow my cover as one of your followers because, you know, we wanted to keep this movement going, right? No, he, doesn't all, he also does not grovel. Jesus, I'm the worst of the worst. I'm a terrible disciple. You know, you know I'm just the worst. He 
you just forgive me already? Could you just let me go? He doesn't grovel. A lot of times we do that with each other and we do it with God, don't we? Peter holds still. Now, there is a nuance in the Greek, in the word for love. And I think it both invites Peter's honesty and it meets him with grace. When Jesus asked Peter that first question, do you love me more than these? He says, do you agape me more than these? Maybe you've heard of that Greek word, agape. It's unconditional love, self-sacrificial love. Most appropriately, it's attributed to God. And Peter responds by saying, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you different Greek word for love, brotherly love, affection, friendship. And then the third time Jesus says it, he says, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? He changes it to his word. Then Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. What's up there? Well, you know, the night of the Passover, when all the disciples were together in the upper room, And Jesus says, hey, you're all going to fall away. The shepherd's going to be struck and you'll be scattered. And Peter's like, no, no, no. All these other guys may fall away, but I won't. I'll stay with you. I'll go to death for you, right? Remember that? (laughs) Peter was promising unconditional love more than all these other guys. And what is Jesus' first question for him? Simon, son of John, do you unconditionally love me more than these? I bet that landed. I bet that stung. But Jesus wasn't shaming him. He was walking him back through. Walking him back through the journey. Jesus was surgically walking Peter back through his failure. And the grief comes the third time where Jesus names it. He says, phileo. (laughs) And it's as if Peter's response is, yes, Lord, you know. My love has been exposed as imperfect. It's not unconditional. I do love you. Not yet perfect, though. That lands for me. Because I know that my love is imperfect for Jesus. How How about you? How about yours? Doesn't that hit us every single day? I love Jesus. Man, it's not perfect, though. It's not unconditional. And Jesus goes, I know, but let me take you back to first love, to perfect love, my love for you. We're reminded of his love again, first things. Now, in this line of questioning, Jesus is also wrapping into this a reminder of Peter's purpose. Because each time in the exchange, when Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Jesus immediately responds with, Go feed my sheep. Go tend the sheep. Now, on one hand, we could sit here and say, well, it, that's shepherding. That, that's the job of the elders and James and Michael, right? No, I think it's for all of us. Certain, certainly, we're here to lead, but it's we shepherd one another with the gospel. And I guess I can guarantee you that we all, in some way or another, wrestle with purpose. You think Peter was wrestling with purpose that day? Yeah, who am I? I've failed Jesus. 
I guess I'll go fishing. I don't know what to do. I love him. We wrestle with purpose. I was with a friend just this week who's in real estate, and he loves Jesus. And he was saying, you know, I, I want my life to have purpose and have deeper meaning for the Lord. May, maybe I need to go into ministry. And I, I was like, let me slow you down, my friend. You are in ministry because you love Jesus. And you're with people every day helping them figure out their housing situation. Go care for those sheep. Where do you find yourself? Tend those sheep. You're sent there. We come, in, come into contact with people every day who, who need the same reminder that we do, who need to be taken back to first things. Don't we need to do that for each other? Because we forget and we have the rooster crows really loud in our ears and in our hearts and we need to take each other back to first love. But God brings us to the end of ourselves <laughs> before he uses us in that way. He shows us that, hey, it's not about your getting your love right and perfected. It's about my love for you and you taking that to others. Well, Jesus runs Peter down through the rest of his life in a sense in verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And Peter, you used to do your own thing. Following me, you may have to go places you don't want to go. And we know that just through church history that he was martyred. And it speaks of that here. He's saying Follow me is not, following me is not going to be easy. When we wrestle with purpose, when we wrestle with what, what am I to do with Jesus, for Jesus? How am I to serve him? Maybe even in going through the things that we don't want to go through. Being led down the paths that we may not want to be led down. Suffering. You know, Jesus talks to Peter about him in his old age. Maybe there are those older saints among us who wonder, what purpose do I have? Jesus says, <laughs> all kinds, <laughs> all kinds of purpose. Follow me. And he takes him back to first things. Isn't that first things? Follow me. That was what he said to Peter at the beginning when he called him on the side of the Sea of Galilee. You follow me. You will glorify me, even in death. How about that for encouragement to Peter? Now, I, I really love this next part that almost feels like it doesn't fit. There's this intimate exchange between Peter and Jesus, this restoration, this reminder of his purpose. And then there's verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And Peter got distracted. Jesus had restored Peter with his love. He had reminded him, reminded him of his purpose. And then Peter burst out into the world shepherding the flock, right? No, the very next moment, he's distracted. He's like, well, well Jesus, what about this guy? What about John? What's, it, what's he going to have to go through? This, this makes me laugh because it reminds me of me. <laughs> It shows me that Jesus won't give up on me even when I'm distracted. And I keep getting distracted again and again and again. 
um, Michelle and I have our kids do chores sometimes at home, and one of those is unloading the dishwasher, and it's always kind of funny because every time we ask them to do the dishwasher, they have a list of other things that they need to do. Like, hey, we we unload the dishwasher? Yeah, but I, I got to go to the bathroom first. We unload the dishwasher? Yeah, yeah, but I'm thirsty. Let me go get some water real quick. We unload the dishwasher? Yeah, but I got to, and then the TV captures their attention. <laughs> Confession, on my part, I get frustrated. But then Jesus shows me myself in Peter that I'm the same. I'm just like him. I'm easily distracted in life, and I lose my focus on Jesus. But then Jesus shows me his unfailing kindness to not give up on me when I would want to give up on me, or others for that matter. Jesus just goes, he says it again, he goes, you follow me. That's what he says to Peter when Peter has a squirrel moment. And I can almost picture it. It doesn't say the body language, but I can almost picture Jesus putting his hands on both of Peter's shoulders and saying, hey, Peter, look look back at me. And he looks him in the eyes and goes, you follow me. What a kindness, what a grace, what, what love. What a beautiful reminder of first things to be taken back to the simple things and to actually see just how deep they are. When we get our minds and hearts cluttered up with many things, Jesus shows us himself again and again and again. I'll close with the story, story of a man named Tommy. Tommy has a daily rooster crow, but it's not an actual rooster. It's the sound of prison doors closing on him every single day for the rest of his life. You see, Tommy is serving out a life without parole sentence at St. Clair County Correctional Facility. Tommy is there because at 19 he committed murder over a drug deal. He carried on that lifestyle for a time in prison until Jesus showed up in Tommy's life, got a hold of his heart, showed him first love, showed him first things. And now Tommy will tell you, that while he hears his rooster crow every day, it's not the final word on him anymore. Yeah, he's reminded every day of his failure in very obvious ways. And I'm sure that he, like us, would rather not hear it or be reminded of it, but Jesus walked him back through it all to show him a more profound and deeper love than he ever could have dreamed of. And Tommy wrote a song about it. But no, I'm not going to sing it, so don't worry about that. <coughs> but, I'll, but I will read a bit of it so you can hear his heart. I was a prisoner long before they locked the door. I often found myself wondering what I had to live for. But then one night in darkness, the Lord shined on me his light. Now I'm not a prisoner. For once I am free. If I could go where I wanted, I'd only go where he wanted me. So don't you be deceived by these chains on my feet. No, I'm not a prisoner. Just another captive free. Oh, this life is not perfect. There is so much that I don't like. But this time that I have here, I'm going to shine like a light. I'm going to tell everybody that Jesus gave me a new life. 
Jesus walked Tommy back through failure, back to first things, first love. And Tommy found purpose in prison. Now he's ministering to other inmates, and he will do for the rest of his life. He's been there for 33 years. What about you? As we come to the end of John, have you found the end of yourself? Jesus wants to walk you back through your failure, back to first love, his love. Jesus asks, do you love me? Then follow me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your unfailing love that is always coming after us, always restoring us. Lord, I pray for any in our midst this morning who are racked with shame, racked with guilt. May they be restored by your love for them. Would you restore us all that we might be able to go back to first things and just follow you. Lord, do this for your glory and do it for our good. Pray in your powerful name. Amen.